Did you hit record? We're already recording. We're live. What are you drinking, a martini? I made a martini. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. We have vodka, but no chaser. So That's I made a, why. So I, sh- I shook up a little vodka martini, and there's a little vermouth over there. Are we not recording? Well, we're recording, <laughs> but I'm doing scheduling while we're... I, I hit it too soon. There's Google, so Google should just be able to imprint on my brain, and it just projects my calendar if I close my eyes, and it projects to my eyelids. I love Black Mirror. I agree. Thank you. I would like that. I need it. I need to blink and see my schedule. That would be nice. Oh, God, I don't want that. <laughs> Imagine having to, like... Makes me think about. Well, is it is it harder than pulling up your phone every ma- five seconds to look at your me calendar? Ex Machina, which is not a movie I even love that much. Uh, the scene where I'm like talking like we're even gonna put any of this in, but uh, the scene where Donald Gleason—it's it's all going in. When Donald Gleason <laughs> thinks that he might be an AI and he like cuts himself open to see if he if he bleeds. Like that would happen if like I to to like cut the Google system. Like there would be a oh. moment when I would feel like I would need to like, am I a robot now? Pull like, it out of you. I would have to pull it out. Like burning, like um, like us. These are movies that I need cut out of me. Okay, that's here's your hard drive. <laughs> I really hit record too soon. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Guys, you're really getting the behind the se- behind the curtain. Is everybody's okay. mic good? We're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Peter Lou. Wait, no. <laughs> I was having a talk with someone. We're in here my... to talk about the 2020 Oscars. I was having a chat with someone in my office today about how bizarre it is that there's a new Mike Lee in theaters, and I'm not just like sweating and salivating every day. Nobody cares. Well, and it's a, it's, it's a movie about like workers. Like... Amazon pushed the release because nobody cared. <laughs> <laughs> literally, the, literally. Even though the reviews are strong. No, they're not. Yeah, they are. Mike Lee, across the board, 85 or above on Metacritic. This thing sits with a 70. Mm-hmm. That's like a 20 for 20 but that's for seven, Mike Lee. 70 is still a good movie. For instance, The Beach yeah, Bomb. Yeah, good, not great, not instance, brilliant. For instance, The Beach Bomb, brilliant American masterwork. I mean, not really. But that sits at 56. <laughs> I'm just saying it's it, you know some sometimes and I'm not Ben I'm not saying that's that, about right no 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 <laughs> that's not what I, I'm not saying that like that's wrong I'm saying that someone can have an individual response that is higher than the centralized critics rating true and it's Mike Lee it's about workers mm-hmm. and it's Mike Lee and it's mm-hmm. about workers okay it sounds very up, up my alley but we were saying how like to your point Brandon like. I don't care. <laughs> like, nobody cares. Literally nobody cares. And it's a new Mike Lee. And we just saw Mike Lee. And Can still- we, we need In to tell person. the story. We've tweeted the story, but we need to tell the story. Well, well you, you started it. You saw him first, I mean. Okay. Oh, right. You're right. Okay. So, you're, so you have to tell a, that why part. Why don't, you, why don't you take the yarn from the you have to You have to tell that part of the story. Okay. So I went into the little shop of the Where Getty. Were we? We were at the Getty Museum, which, not to get too regional, is off the 405. It's up in the <laughs> mountains. It's where there was fires, but it's still standing. Some mm-hmm. of the art actually burned out during those fires. It, it is a highly um, urbane Jurassic Park in which you take a tram up yeah. through the woods yes. on the side of the freeway yeah. to go look at pieces from antiquity and calligraphy that looks like a pretty phallic. Another Bible. <laughs> oh, another Bible. Another Bible. So there's Low Cafe, and I was popping in to get another PB&J because we'd been drinking many bottles of wine, and I needed PB&J. Mm-hmm. And it was the cheapest thing on the menu. This because is superfluous because information. Because the PB&Js were for children. They were $3.50. As opposed to the $10 turkey sandwiches. I had one, too, that the jam was exquisite. The J is very good. If I may say, the jam was quite jammy. Um, you all got one. 
Not you, bitch. I know. I got a muffin. Because he's a grown-up. You got cake. <laughs> yeah. Muffins are cake. Lemon pocket So I, I was, I was, you know, I had a, I had a few glasses of wine. <laughs> I'm not yeah. gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you, folks. I was feeling a little tipsy on Chardonnay in the middle of the Getting day. Getting loose. And I, uh, I was <laughs> feeling, I was Chardonnay. feeling pretty loose, ready to get more loose. And what I, were you doing after? Oh. I don't know. Fucking. You had to get know. loose for the art. Yeah. Just getting fucked by Mike. What? You're like, <laughs> I fucking love irises, man. I can't wait to see irises. <laughs> okay. Well, we saw Mr. Turner. It, we all, did it really all coalesced. I got, I got the best. Sorry, I'm just interrupting the story, but I got the best text from you guys. I was like separated, like off in a different room. And I get a text from Brandon saying, we found the Mr. Turner. That was from Ben. And he said, he followed up by saying, I, it's singular. It's one Mr. Turner. It's also singular. It it's is all, a singular It's word. also not a Mr. Turner. It's a Mr. Turner. Mr. Turner. Mr. Turner. So, um, so I was ready to grab my PB&J, and I see this little old man just with a tray, just draping a tray down to his side, just like sliding along to see like what, was available and i was like what is this man doing and then i was like oh my god it's mike lee and i texted the group chat i said oh my god it's mike lee what the fuck You're like who is this droopy looking lonely senior out and here it was in the sun? Mike, mike and lee. i i was like i can't get my pp i because I, I didn't want to cut him off in line because he was really just dawdling <laughs> and i as mike lee is wont to do and, and i and i didn't want to cut him, so i just left i just left and i ran back to your table assuming y'all you all had seen him already but you hadn't. So I, I had walked right past him when I went to buy the second bottle of wine. Uh, so we were seated, seated, and then apparently Mike Lee came up right very close behind us when I was shouting yeah, about. No, I, Brandon I was is shouting. Like, Brandon is screaming about Mike Lee. Can you believe we were talking about Happy Go Lucky on the way up here? It's just insane. What is Mike Lee doing here? And I just see Mike Lee slowly approaching <laughs> us behind. Like, and if, I was if, screaming about. What, what would Mike Lee think if he knew four fags were just fangirling about mm-hmm. him? And, and there then, he was. Yeah. And then there was just Sitting like the classic right. moment of, he's right behind me, isn't he? Mike Lee's right behind me, isn't he? Uh, and he was. And then it's he like... sat down behind us, <laughs> and he ate his soup and sandwich, and, and we, we continued, continued to talk, to about, talk him. about him. <laughs> for the for, next hour. For at least... <laughs> 20 minutes straight we're just like oh my god it's mike lee we took those took photos. Photos. photos check our twitter if you haven't seen the iconic mike lee photo mm. it's like i'm just waiting for someone to be like it is completely disrespectful to take a picture of somebody who is just trying to eat their lunch he's just trying to enjoy his soup the filmmaker is trying you to know enjoy- what he looks like he is enjoying his soup in the, the yeah, picture the auteur is just trying to have a big sip of tomato the seven-time so. oscar nominee is trying to enjoy his soup leave <laughs> he- him alone <laughs> the seven-time Oscar nominee, auteur of the working class, is trying mm. not to get crumbs in his beard. Thank you very much. <laughs> I bet he did. Well, actually, I saw he he was finishing up a salad with a knife and fork, so he definitely got one of the fancy sandwiches. Mm. But I don't think you should have felt any shame about buying that PB&J because of his concerns with the working class and just class divides in general. But I didn't want to know cut he him was off. Eyeing, you know he was eyeing the prices and thought to himself, I'm sure he was. Well, that's quite disparate. Well, that's quite disparate, isn't it? What did you? I, what does he sound like? I don't know. I don't. What kind of accent does he have? Do we know? You guys have never seen he's, the Mike Lee interview. He uh-huh. talks like this. The peanut butter and jelly is the only does thing on the market no, that doesn't. the layman can afford. Does Bob's really? uncle have a PB and J. No. Do you think he's a fan of I Daniel? 
I don't know. Of course he is. I wonder what he thinks of Ken Loach. I've had this thought a lot well, in my when life. When you frame it like that, like I wonder, I imagine Mike Lee sees I, Daniel Blake, and doesn't think to himself, like, what a trickly piece of shit. <laughs> like the way that so many people online are just like, this yeah. is so sentimental. Oh mm-hmm. my God. This is really Selma Blair in, <laughs> Selma Blair? in Ga- Sail Award. Sail Award. Sail Award. Selma Blair. Sail Award in Gone Girl mm. Energy. Tell, tell, tell Mike the folks Lee. at home what you're looking at. Right just look up the first image of Mike Lee on IMDb and it's very Seal Award energy in <laughs> Gone Girl. And, and, and I think it's very contented and very uh, inviting and cheerful. I think it's the kind of, it's it's the exact face you want to see when you're, when you're sick at home with the flu. That's the face I want to see when I die. Die and go to <laughs> no, heaven. This is, no, this is what I'm saying. Like when you are in acute pain, mm. you need help. Yeah, you you need you need you know you need old Deuteronomy to bring you up to the heavy side uh, layer. If you are the chosen jellical cat, I'm my, not ready to discuss Mike the Lee. cats news. <laughs> no, I'm glad they bring it up because Mike Lee really is my dream casting for old Deuteronomy and Tom Hooper's. Mm. You know what's gonna kill us all is the movies IMO cats episode. Uh, well, no, it's gonna kill all of us because I'm going to insist that everyone watch the VHS a VHS rip. Of the filmed, <laughs> ver- the filmed Cats musical from like 1996, oh. which I watched every time I was homesick as wow. a child and teenager. And I'm going to make, you know, how are we going to compare the versions? It's true. How are we going to talk? I'm not sure if you guys know this, but there are musical numbers that are not featured in that VHS version that are featured in the Broadway production, are featured in the touring company of Cats. Will mm-hmm. Tom Hooper include this number wow. in his film. And I believe it involves warring cats, cats oh. at battle. I love battle cats. I do too. That's actually the new name of the film. Battle cats. Battle cats. This is not the Mike Lee episode. <laughs> this is not the cats episode. Yet, what episode yet, is this? We're talking about Moondog, baby. We're talking about the beach bomb. Moondog. You know what? If this movie starred anyone other than Matthew McConaughey, it'd be a pl- an extra star. Really? I think he's the best thing about it. I do too. I mean, he is, but I just I think don't like him personally. Oh, I, think it's I his love him. Best performance. It literally is. I think it's Matthew it McConaughey's best performance. It is. And I'm a big fan of it. It is. Killer Joe, I love. Magic Mike, I love. I actually think he's outstanding in Dallas Buyers Club. I think that perhaps, I mean, I've talked, I've always mentioned in passing how much I love just the star image theory and how much mm-hmm. I love studying Dyer in college. So this is just the marriage of material to star persona is just mm-hmm. so indelible to me. Like, of course, it would be interesting to see someone like to see someone like a like a Michael Caine do this, like just like total countercasting. Like, what is that called? <laughs> Casting against type. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, that's always a fun way to fuck with star image. But this is just like it. It, the, it is so seamless the persona mm-hmm. with the person. It yeah, is, I just ate it up. And I got a big chuckle out of every time he would just be in the back of frame with his eyes all squinted and his mouth open, just like listening. It gave me a big chuckle and I had a good time. And this has been another episode of Movies nice. IMO. All right. Great. Thank you. This Thank has you been our listening. beach bun, um, bum episode. Yeah. No, I like the beach bun. The beach <laughs> butt. That's... I've been calling it the bitch bum. <laughs> Ooh, hell yeah. That's Thanks. rude. Who's, Why? Who's I'm just joking. Who's leading? No uh, one. I'll do it. No. Hello! <laughs> Hello! Yeah. I want Harmy Corinne to fall into a hole <laughs> and to never come out. I just want him to get some therapy. He's probably had therapy. Well, filmmaking is his therapy. <laughs> oh my god. He would be one of those people. <laughs> I didn't go to film school. I didn't go to film school. I went to films. Mm. Mm. I'll, I'll leave this week. Great. Um, I guess I can just kick it off. Yeah. Where Hi. are we? Who Hello. am I? We're on the... 
we're on the planet Earth, man. We're just kicking it back in Key West. I'm man. a poet, man. <laughs> oh, I think that his best performance is that was Brand- Interstellar. That was Brandon smoking a doobie. Oh. oh, I mean, outstanding performance. Interstellar is just outstanding. Outstanding. I mean, I Interstellar think Interstellar is tight. Entertainment. Galact. Interstellar what? is entertainment, if you ask me. I was trying to me. do a pun. Oh. It's entertainment. Thank you. Oh, oh, it's interstellar. Very good movie. Ste- I was uh, going for the stellar. It's interstellar. Uh, interstellar is stellar. Great. Yes. I found it. Beautiful. Cut Wonderful. that out. <laughs> Edit that out. Do you think? Do you think? Um, do you think that one day Christopher Nolan is going to pull some sort of Francis Ford Coppola, where he still makes movies? There's a little bit more time in between, and in the meantime, he has a vineyard in Northern California. Do we think that? Christopher Nolan is going to eventually open some type of like Swiss chalet, perhaps the one from Inception where he hosts guests. There's I don't a think he lodge. has. Other I would interests. love to go to that, and it'll be called a Winter Stellar. Oh. That's that was a long God. setup for that. That's the thought. Was That's that the thought. was that a whole setup for that? I don't. Yeah, see, it was. But I, was, I mean, like, but I just like the idea. I believe <laughs> that when Christopher Nolan leaves work, he just walks to the edge of set and enters the pod and stands <laughs> I, 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 until morning. See, I, I think you're. I think you're halfway there. I think he, he just walks to the door like Daniel Day Lewis and Phantom Thread with his hands in his pockets and his butt sticking out uh-huh. and just stares at the door. Mm-hmm. Or no, no, he leaves set and then walks right back around and just stands at the side of the sound. And he just waits for Marianne Cotillard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, call him the, the cut. To open. Yes. I agree. Mm-hmm. So this is not the Christopher Nolan episode. And what are, is this? This is another episode of Movies IMO. The IMO stands for Idiots More Often. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. I, yes. I was, I was going to say it stands for um, Interstellar uh, meets... Um, uh, <laughs> Olive Garden. Olive Garden, oh. which is the beach bum. I was trying, wow. I was trying to do like a blank meets blank for the beach bum. Um, beach bum is Interstellar meets Olive Garden. Yeah, wow. I think love that. Welcome to movies I mock. Uh, movies mm-hmm. I mock. Oh right, the G, the yeah. garden. Yeah, I shouldn't. I, sh- I, I, sh- I shouldn't open when my you're mouth here. Before I have something. When to you're say. here at this table, your family, your family. Unless we are. wow, and by family at this table means eventually we're going to be separated. Someone's going to go into the future. By the time they come back, you're going to be an old lady. You're going to be on your deathbed. And the whole time I'm going to say, Ben said he would come back. Is this the plot of Atonement? It's the plot of Winter Stellar. Who? Winter Stellar, Brandon. This is another episode of Who? Movies I Am That's IMO. a plot of Interstellar. <laughs> Ellen Burstyn? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. She's in it. Where? She's old Jessica like, Chastain. Isn't Ellen oh. Burst? Ellen Burstyn's in that Natalie Portman space movie too. I just think you you create a relationship with Jessica Chastain as the character, not with just the character. So I would ask you, I don't entirely disagree, but do you have the same problem with Atonement? And that we get a... No, I don't. Is it, is it because we are getting attached to a character through three different performances? Yeah. But we do the same in Interstellar. Who's the other? The, do- the, the young one? Girl. Well, I'm only attached to Jessica like, Chastain. Well, I don't like her. I guess what I'm saying is Vanessa Gred- Redgrave is perfect in Atonement, and Ellen Burson is fine in Interstellar. <laughs> Vanessa Gredman. Um, Vanessa Eddie Redman. Is he a... Oh, no, Redgrave. I was like, is Eddie a... No, is Eddie one of them? He's not. We're here to talk about films. That's kind of what we do every week. We just get together, group of friends, group of family here at the Olive Garden, mm-hmm. wow. and just kind of kick back. I would love a breadstick. We just sort Same. of kick back on the... The docked houseboat that is Ben's apartment. There's a there's a little yellow snake running around. I'm playing the bongos. 
We're all topless. <laughs> There's a yellow snake in Beach Bum. Yeah, did you miss that? They're, I must have blinked. And he's playing Twice. with it. Yeah, they're, he ha- I don't know if it's a it's pet snake the or, just the na- or just the neighborhood snake. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's this big yellow snake that's just sort of like chilling out, man. Just like slithering around the houseboat. Yeah. I was very distracted by the Arclight man giving the sermon just to me. <laughs> Tell oh, us about that. I didn't have one last night. I want to see you There was no sermon. You should hit up the biz- Better Business, Better Business Bureau. <laughs> <laughs> This arc light did not have the opening speaker, and I'm offended. Wait, mm. tell us about your night. What did you have for breakfast? So I went drink? to the 640 Beach Bum well. two nights ago. <laughs> this morning I had a Chobani yogurt for breakfast. Mm. Thank you. Um, and I was alone. And should have gone to the 420 screen, you man. Elliot, that would have been picked. Uh, I was alone. Back in that bowl. And the arc light man comes in like. Yeah, I get there early. You know, I'm an old person. I get there 20 minutes early. Yeah, it's why it's why you were the one to recognize Mike Lee. Game recognized game. And I was just sitting there. And he comes in and he's like, you good, man? I'm like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, was I this, mean. Was this uh, like Axe? Like that guy who works at the Arclight? What's the name? Like Chase? I don't know. I have no idea. This is Arclight Culver City off His brand. Like off oh, brand. you were not Hollywood. City. It's not oh, Hollywood, baby. I, well, I'll tell you one thing. He was not Hollywood. It's uh, Culver City. Um, and, he, and I was like, I, uh, yeah, I'm good and he was like, like what then what are you doing and he's like you're you're the only you're the only, i think you're the only one and i'm like cool great <laughs> and he's like do you have to go to the bathroom and i'm like i'm like maybe like, will you carry me i don't i don't i don't know and he's like all right well you know i'll be back and i'm like oh, oh, okay <laughs> and he I comes he comes back in 10 minutes and he's like Hey, still so good, bro? so yeah, still good, bro. And uh, yo, trailer's gonna start in five. So if you have to use the restroom, and I'm like, got it. <laughs> Why is this guy obsessed with your piss? Thank you. And then he leaves, and I'm like, okay, maybe the movie, maybe that, that maybe that was my intro. Maybe mm-hmm. that was my like, hello, welcome to yeah. Light. Nope. Sure enough, six twenty six six thirty nine. Hey, so welcome to Light. And I'm like. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> I've spoken to you twice already. Good to see you again. And he Rule said, and he said to me, so emergency exits are here and here. And I'm like, got it. Thank you. And he said, you're here to see the beach bum. I haven't seen this movie, so I don't know if it's any good. I hope you like it. And I'm like, he is not allowed to say that. And I'm like, me too. <laughs> I hope I also like it. And then, um, then what did he say to me? He said something weird. <laughs> He's like, do you have to go to the bathroom? <laughs> no. Well, no. He's like, okay, well, it's hour 35. Oh, the phone thing. He was like, you know, just don't look at your phone. And then he stopped himself. He was like, well, I mean, no one's here. So I guess you could look at your this phone. This is the problem with kids today. Uh, he was like, you, I don't care if you look at your phone. And I'm what? Like, and I said to him, wow. I'm like, I'm not, I paid $17 to be here. I'm not going to look at my phone. And then he stood at the side. Were you really having a conversation? Yeah. Was, a, a I was talking. back and forth? Yeah. I'm That's, not just going to stare at him. Yeah. I had to talk. Aaron Sorkin sitting down. And then um, the trailer started, but I, I finally went to the restroom. <laughs> and then I came back, and it was the middle. Of, it was like the tail end of the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood trailer. Mm. And he's standing to check the quality standards of Arclight, you know, visual presentation. <laughs> and then he, he turns to me at the end of the Once Upon a Time trailer, and he just shouts, that's a good trailer. <laughs> and I just, I gave him a salute and left. If only he knew that the employees wow. of the New Beverly would have dumped their popcorn on his head <laughs> and they would have given a refill in the lobby if he had, if they knew that he had encouraged you to whip out your phone. During he the was trail. like, he was like, whip it out. 
think wow. It was, I think it was good. Might have been gay. Might have been gay. Maybe he was hitting on you. I think that's why he was, that's why he was like, Do you want to go to the bathroom? Wink. Meet me in the bathroom. Wink, wink. wink Do you gotta wink. pee? Meet me there, bro. Meet me in the stall, Meet bro. Me. I could have fucked in the arc light. Wow. It's Culver City. You, he would have been slapping would have been your great. ass with a <laughs> spatula. <laughs> like in the beach. Why? Yeah. Like in the oh. beach. Room. Did you see this movie? <laughs> No, because I was thinking about my lover. <laughs> he was thinking about you. I was very busy. Okay, shut up. <laughs> so my name's Daniel Crook. <laughs> Did I just talk for 30 minutes? Hope so. I'm Brandon Kirby. I'm Ben MB. And today we are here to talk about Harmony Corinne's latest picture, The Beach Bum. The beach bum. The beach bum. There's a bum and there's a beach on it. It's, you know, no. in, in yeah. terms of title, I like a title that sort of tells me everything up front. Mm-hmm. For whom the bells toll. Who are they for? I don't like that title. They're not telling yeah. you who it's about. It's You're very right. oblique and mm-hmm. it's a tease. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. Get out. I like that title. Because he's, he's getting out. I like that title. It's telling me to get out. Us. La- us is a great La- title. Ladybird. Because it's about us. Ladybird. Yeah, I don't like that title because I thought it was about the former first lady. Oh, sure. It's a delicate mm-hmm. dance, but I like this title because it is very clear about who we're watching, mm-hmm. where he lives, mm-hmm. and what type of lifestyle he he's he participates bum. in. He is a beach bum. And by the article at the beginning, the beach bum, mm-hmm. we know he's sort of a mythic figure. Wow. So I appreciate that. So we're here to talk about the beach bum. We're also here to talk about Harmony Corinne's directorial debut. Um, Gamo, and Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo. We're here to talk about wow. Guillermo, and then wow. and then we're talking about um, you know uh, his previous film, <laughs> Spring Breakers. And <laughs> I'm gonna monologue about Trash Humpers with the help of oh. Matt Aspamer. Did he did he re- did he record something? He's who's gonna uh, drop in? Who's gonna dial in? Is he really? I'm I like, wish. I'm like we didn't set, we didn't set that up. <laughs> yeah. Matt, if you're listening. <laughs> this is a real lackadaisical sort of slacker up, I gotta say. Yeah. Everybody's, vibe, vibe. everybody's vibing yeah. with the moon doll. I smoked wow. a blunt the size of a tin can oh, before was, I got here. Size of about two tin cans. Wow. Um, yeah, Matt Farmer's gonna I pop in to talk about trash humpers. That sounds great. With me. That sounds wow. great. So, um, I love that. It's really fun. Ben wants to die. It's really fun. <laughs> it's really fun to be provoked, I think. I think it takes a lot of talent. Where Here's a fucking take. Nothing Harmony Corinne does is even that provocative. Well, that's, that's what I would say. Well, but I feel like you guys would take that in different directions, don't you think? And also, I don't entirely disagree. I don't think it's... I just think, like... I was not that provoked. provoked. I mean, to be fair... By he, Gummo. He drowns... A, I was pretty... I was pretty provoked by Gummo, but... Is it because he gets a little soap water in the Crunch Bar before he eats it? Oh, no, but that's that's, that's the <laughs> most that is that was the most thing I was no. like he ate he ate soap. No, water. my bigger problem. What, what grosses me? I don't more, care about the cat deaths. No, it's the soap water. It's the glass, in his chocolate bar. Not drowning a cat, just the soap water on the chocolate bar. Yes. What grosses me out is that he takes a big bite of pasta and then washes it down with milk while the pasta is still in his mouth. Mm. That nothing. I've done that as a child. Ugh. No, that doesn't wow. mean that, that doesn't make it not acceptable in, in polite society. I find uh. that scene to be the most. I find uh, two, the two most disturbing scenes in Gummo for me are the girl shaving her eyebrows off just because I feel mm-hmm. like I shouldn't be watching that mm-hmm. and because she's clearly unwell. And, uh, and then the bathtub scene. And it's not because it's a grimy tub. It's not because of the water. It is just about the open mouth chewing, the mixture of solid and liquid 
it just he's makes a dirty kid. He's a dirty boy. And he's got to get clean. And and and, and his mommy up. Linda Manns is just doing the best she can. I agree with you, Brandon. I think the Linda Mann stuff is really moving. Yeah, I mean, Gummo moved me. I don't know, whatever. I, but uh, but no, I people mean, people really like it. I don't really like it. I said people. Oh, they said you guys really yeah. like it. People, yeah, I guess people do really like it. But if you look on Letterboxd, I don't know who we're all following. It is mostly low ratings on my Letterboxd. On mine, it's mostly high. Oh. Interesting. Eric Allen Hatch, um, meme queen, Eric okay. Allen Hatch, he gave it like four and a half. I think it was the highest they saw. Mm-hmm. I think fellow film fag Matter Spammer and uh, Cam Collins both gave it hearts and no rating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is, God, this is a fun episode. I'm like, and I think that... Um, so I'm going to go through every Letterboxd user. I think user. that uh, Josh Larson from Film Spotting was like, I wasn't sure about it, Adam. <laughs> like, no, no rating. So I, I, I make myself laugh at the Josh Larson impression. I don't know who that is. You don't listen to Film Spotting? Mm-hmm. I haven't listened in years. He's like, you know, I'm just like, happy that you're happy. I found that it was a little lukewarm, Adam. Just like the bath, like the bath water, I found it a little lukewarm, Adam. Anyway, um, and, but of course, critically, it was pretty reviled at the time. Nothing that really means anything. Oh, but my my whole thing is like I, Roger Ebert liked it. Good for Rod. No way. Back I don't in th- the day, I don't think he reviewed it, but he talks about it in Julian Donkey Boy. He Werner Herzog loves I it, believe. which he gave three out of four. Yeah, Werner Herzog loves it. Gus Van Sant loves it. I actually admire it a lot. It it the way that I I guess I should wait until we actually get into homework. But the way I feel about Harmony Crenn is let's just go in chronological okay, order. Okay, th- I would I would like to do that because we're here. I would like to do that. We're already on. I would. Gummo. I, that's sort of how I've been thinking about it. So if you're listening to this, if you haven't seen Gummo. Skip ahead. I, I honestly don't know the timestamp. If you haven't seen Spring Breakers, which is the next movie we'll talk about, honestly, just skip to the last five minutes because that's probably all we're going to leave for the beach bum. <laughs> so, and I'm going to monologue about Trash Humpers. So then we'll, we'll have a quick Trash Humpers Great. interlude and we'll do it chronologically. So I really admire the collage-like assemblage of this movie. Um, it is disturbing, uh, just like the lack of resolution in all these stories. Like, you're, as a viewer, you are used to resolution, blah, 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 by interrupting it. He's keeping your attention. All the way that these seemingly disparate things smash together, they seems like they shouldn't, and it creates this really disturbing tapestry, tapestry of this very specific time and place. But I feel very similarly about Harmony Corinne in this movie as I do to Godard, which is that the way that you are breaking down the barriers of expectation and form... And narrative, I think you're a genius, but just because you're trying to rub my nose in shit doesn't mean that I'm going to respond to you by saying, "Oh my god, can you believe they like they they, they knew they knew exactly how to grab my nose and put it in that shit, and that's so genius." And I think it is kind of genius, but I just refuse to I refuse to accept it on their terms. I just won't. see. I, just I was going to make a joke on this exact topic. Yeah. I was going to say it's like Jean Luc Godard. <laughs> Harmony Corinne feels he's smarter than you. Yes. When you watch his movies, much like Godard, but Godard actually is. See, but That's I think my joke. And it's a pretty good joke. Um, I don't necessarily get that condescension to the viewers in Spring Breakers. Oh, I do. Or the Beach Bum. I do. I certain. I, t- I do. I, cert- I feel feelings of superiority, but I think they're well aimed. I mean, I think that the critique he's getting at in Spring Breakers, which we'll get to when we talk about Spring Breakers, is right on the, right on the money and pretty trenchant and disturbing and clever and revolting uh, I find I think that I think that he has damned an entire generation in a way that no other filmmaker has come close 
But with Gummo, I I just get kind of annoyed by it. But I also can't stop thinking about it. I have stopped thinking about it. Um. <laughs> you saw it last week. I saw it like two days ago. True. I just I don't like Chloe. Yes. Well, I like Chloe. She's never good. I don't think Chloe can act. I don't agree, but I do not think she can act. I wish it was fully about the fag bunny boy. Honestly, same. He's so good. That's um, the best scene. His accordion, I love Holy yeah, Motors. I enjoy that. I love that. Holy Motors. I, I think there is a lot of interesting construction and use of music. Oh, yeah, in all the movies. But I mm-hmm. think it's mean, and I think it's condescending, and I think a lot of the characters are not in on the joke. And I feel like we are asked to laugh at people that don't know that they're being asked to be laughed at. So this is an interesting point to I me. I don't agree. Yeah, I don't agree. Many people don't. No, I don't agree either, but I didn't see it in an audience, which you did. If I was surrounded by people laughing at these people, I would have gotten out of my seat. Oh, Wait, was were people laughing? Riotous laughter. Are it you is a, kidding It me? is a comedy to most people, for sure. And I believe that. No. Is, I believe that's the intent. See, watching it alone, I didn't. I think it's feel that. I think it's mournful, like all of his movies are. I think that he's meeting them. When you read about how he made this movie, I guess if you're following your line of logic, you could read this as manipulative. I view it as collaborative, and him getting on his subjects level rather than pulling them onto his. When it comes to like the the scene, like with the the card tables or the poker, no, the, the not park, poker would be a little arm wrestling. The arm wrestling. Scene. I like the arm wrestling scene. Yeah. I don't think that applies. To yeah. That. Well, Harmony was out of the room for that. Because he didn't want to inter, he didn't want to disturb the verisimilitude of it because he knew it could be brought to life. He basically sort of like gave them some direction, kind of what to do. Not not, nothing like strict, just like basic, like this is what we need to do. That's my understanding. And then left the room and and, like told his cinematographer, like, this is how we want it to be captured and all this. And Mm -hmm. then he let it, he let it happen. I mean, he knows a lot of these people. Um, and I don't think that he thinks that he's better than them. I mean, I actually, what disturbs me about all these movies is how there's a universality to them. Like he's, when you look at some of the behavior in Gummo, um, so let's just talk about the scene where Harmony Corinne is uh, flirting with the uh, gay little person. Or he's he's flirting, but he's really just like intensely upset and sad and talking about his trauma and his Mm -hmm. abuse. And he's drinking a beer and just like pouring himself all over this guy who does not want to hook up with him and wants nothing to do with him. Like that feels so straight out of outer space because of the context that it's in. But that type of desperation is extremely universal to me. Um, when, when just like some of the, they're just a lot, a lot, a lot of the, a lot of the toxic behavior that's going on are things that I see all the time. Like you see it in Hollywood, but people are wearing suits you know, so like I don't, I don't find it condescending because I think there's a universality there. He's just choosing this very specific context and environment, and because he knows most of these people, and he didn't shoot it in Xenia, which is a problem that I have with it. it. He shot it near where he grew up in Nashville. He is very close to his subject, so I think it's a story he's allowed to tell. But at the same time, to your point, Ben, if if that was the intent, you'd probably didn't stay for the Q and A in between. Mm-hmm. I would be curious to know how he behaves in that Q and A. Like, like if it, I, I want to know if Harmony, I think I heard it was a riot. Yeah. Yeah. I heard the Q&A was a riot as well. Yeah. I don't find it funny. I find it effectively it's not disturbing. It's not funny. I didn't find it disturbing. I just found it sad. I found it. And em- that's what I mean. I found it empathetic. I found it weirdly warm, but like that might not be Harmony Crin's intent with it, but that's what I got out of yeah. it. 
So that's what I'm choosing to believe, and that's how I think I a lot of people it. read it that way. It's an interpretation given to you by you. Yeah, and like maybe Harmony Crin. I I don't think he means for us to laugh at these characters. I don't. I felt like he there's empathy there, especially with the stuff with the mom, the basement scene where she's tap dancing oh, and he's lifting amazing. like silverware. That's I think that the movie gets more empathetic as it goes along. Mm-hmm. I think what I have a problem with are like. The albino girl in the car. Mm. Um, the the woman whose man is whoring her out. Mm-hmm. Well, she's in her bed. Yeah, well, I want to talk about that scene. I think that's very, I hate the word problematic, but I hate that it's, it is a problem. Um, Are you reading notes? Yeah. The girl running back and forth in her backyard. I think these are all things that we are intended to laugh at. I, I still don't I, think see, so. See, here's the thing. When you talk about laughter, we're assuming that the intent is ridicule, right? Mm-hmm. I think that with the albino woman and the sunglasses in her car, she's clearly having a fucking great time. I don't think there's anything wrong with laughing with her. Like, like she, 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 no, she's exuding. But I, I don't think that's what it is. I don't. That's obviously not what the audience is doing. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's capturing this weird sort of joy. Um, if I'm remembering correctly with this movie, I have to be careful what I say. There's joy there because there's so much shit that I just find, I find it problematic. I mean, I don't, I don't really even like this movie that much. Um, but I do think, I do think it's an effective movie anyway, but I, but to move on to your second example, I think that cause I, I was repulsed and I wanted to turn it off when I understood what was going on, mm-hmm. which is that this guy's, I thought it was his sister. Um, so I'll just say sister instead of his uh, girlfriend. Yeah, um, I wasn't sure. Who who yeah, has? I don't, I don't know. know if she has Downs, but mm-hmm. she has some sort of uh, she has some sort of mental disability. Uh, it sets you up. I mean, it's disgusting because that's exactly what he's doing. She's mm-hmm. not giving consent. It's awful. When the younger character goes into the bedroom and sits around their bed, they actually have like this very tender moment, and mm-hmm. he's he's doing a bit of a bait and switch. I think he's doing it with things that are are repulsive and problematic and and i think that i think that i was i was thinking about something claire denis said and i'm not i am not saying harmony Crenn is as good a filmmaker as claire denis or even that they're comparable filmmakers in style but when she was asked a question about why don't you have better uh, female characters why, why don't you have role models for female characters in your movies and she says like i'm not a fucking social worker i think that harmony Crenn is also allowed to put these things on screen without the assumption that he is endorsing them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I fully believe mm-hmm. that that is an, that that is a relationship that could exist in this type of, you know, back backwards, backwoods, mm-hmm. uh, America. Mm-hmm. I, I feel pretty confident that someone is prostituting their, um, their sister who has, who has no say in the matter that, that that seems perfectly plausible and disgusting to me. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I think that he has every right to put that on screen and us to give him the benefit of the doubt of whether he's endorsing it. Having said that, I think it's a little easy. I mean, my, my main issue with the quote unquote provocations in this movie are around the cats, which is like, what is the number one rule in screenwriting for, for, for your hero? Your hero saves the cat, right? Oh. So the idea that like my 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 characters are gonna kill the cat man, like it's just yeah. it's <laughs> so easy, like mm-hmm. it's 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 cheap to me and a little shallow. Yeah. Um. There's even though when they're whipping that, I mean when when they're whipping that cat, that's when I'm sort of like I think that I mean it's obviously not a real cat, but like that is crossing something of a line for me, where 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 even if it's something that exists. I'm not sure I love the way that he's captured it. Even though, again, I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt when it comes to endorsement. I think when I hear something about a movie like 
Ben, you were like, they kill a bunch of cats. I'm a, I am just, I immediately expect the worst. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, me too. So then I when I kid. see what is actually put on film, I'm yeah. like, oh, that's nothing. Yeah. And then I feel fine. He drowns a cat in a water Yeah, but it's a fucking branded. stuffed animal. Right. That's true. It is a stuffed animal. Um, well, I no, just It just yeah. comes down to the fact that my read of the movie is that I think you are supposed to laugh at all of that. Yeah, right. and I don't view it that way. So my, I, I just have a different... I, I, I will bring up an L... Uh, just a, well, I'll save it for later. Because with Gummo, because it, it is, it's not like it's Chloe Zhao, like blending documentary with narrative. It's not that. But mm-hmm. a lot of these people are non-actors mm-hmm. and are living in an environment pretty close to this. Um, you know, I'll, I'll save... I have a I, what I think... Something I've been thinking about today in terms of sort of the the mean humor and Harmony Corinne. And I'll talk about it when we get to the beach bum, maybe. But I will say, and obviously, if you've read the Wikipedia page for Gumbo, you know where I'm getting all my information. But there's a there's a piece on the, or there's a, a little bit on the Wikipedia page about the, the house that they're in where they're huffing glue. And there's that kid just in the environment, like a kid just trying to play. And his older sister is huffing glue. Mm-hmm. And there are termites, like bugs, pouring out of the wall. Oh, when he takes the frame off and bugs just yeah, and go bugs flying. come everywhere. Mm-hmm. See, I do think there's an element of him. I, I mean, one, I think he's allowed to condemn some of these characters and mm-hmm. the ones who are saying these racist, awful things. Like he, he's trying to, he's trying to put a flashlight on on some of the some some of the barely not even under the surface, just outright um, vile ugliness. Like the, the the some dangerous qualities of these communities. At the same time, in that scene, I find that he's shining a spotlight on the uh, the side effects of an underdeveloped community um, and just like the people who get left behind. And he's not talking about like the, the, the forgotten man, the way that Trump is like in, in Gummo, like Harmony Corinne's forgotten man is like a six year old kid mm-hmm. whose babysitter, her older sister is huffing glue and he's just sitting there and this is the world he's coming into. But anyway, this is all to say. And so this is where I agree with Brandon, where I do think there's a surprising amount of empathy in this movie, even though I think I agree with Ben too. I think it's pretty mean, but Apparently, his crew revolted when they were shooting that scene because they felt like they were being put in dangerous conditions, and so the crew demanded hazmat suits. And so he got hazmat suits for the crew, and then Wait, he and dangerous because there were actually bugs. Yeah, like like it was it was a safety hazard mm-hmm. to Yikes. be to be in there. And to the point of Harmony Crin condescending to these people, he and his he he and his cinematographer went in and like underwear and flip flops just to prove like mm-hmm. these are people. This is an environment. Like you are being you are being condescending to these people in the world that they're living in. It's not to say that he can't also be laughing at them, but I do think that there are pure intentions behind Gummo, even though I find it a pretty ugly movie. Obviously, hmm. Trash Humpers. <laughs> His next film yeah. in line. I like I like the collage. I like the collage. Um, I'm a collage man. Well, actually, it's not. So we skipped. We're skipping Julian Donkey Boy. Well. We're not, yeah, we are. Okay. And then we go to Trash Humpers, which only I watched because I wanted to watch it. And I have called, I'm officially calling Trash Humpers, Spring Breakers, The Beach Bum, a trilogy. They are Ooh, all, it's, it's canon now. They're all kindred spirits. They, um, especially because at first I was like, Trash Humpers, and then he goes to Spring Breakers. Like, mm-hmm. what a jump. Like, what a strange, no, they're the same movie. <laughs> Trash Humpers is old people, nihilistic, insane people. Mm-hmm. Spring Breakers is millennials, nihilistic, insane people. Um, so how does the Beach Bum factor into the trilogy? 
because the beach bum almost turns nihilism on its head and make you know it's about it's the opposite it's about love of life and it's vibrant and it's so it's it's almost like a response to the first. But there's still two. sort of like a hollowness and a critique. And there is, because the like bum. when they when they when he's with Zac Efron right. he, and he knocks the guy right. over and takes his money and he's that's that's straight out of that's straight out of Trash Humpers. They right. they spoiler alert. Can I spoil? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They fucking kill a man. Nice. Which well, is, I kind which of is, assumed. <laughs> so I didn't. I, I just thought they pumped trash and <laughs> gave blowjobs to twigs. But yeah. they, they kill a man. They got their rocks off. And they rocks. like dance in his blood. Oh. And the, the laugh. Is this yeah. my biography? The laugh <laughs> Ben's that, like, sounds great. The laugh that Matthew McConaughey's Beach Bum does, Moondog, that like, <laughs> straight out of Trash Humpers. Oh. All the old people in Trash Humpers, they go, oh, wow. <laughs> And it's the most disturbing. Wow, fucked and it's on up. like DV tape. Right? Yeah, it's like on. Grain, it's grainy, like it's a grainy, grainy video. Like yeah, handheld recorder. Home, video. yeah, home video footage. Lends it a disturbing verisimilitude when it comes to capturing image through available media. It's uh, it's really good. It's um, it's really disturbing. It's his most disturbing movie. Mm. Um, because even at an hour. 15 or however long it is it, it, the movie feels like it's four hours long mm-hmm. um but like yeah it is a, like an hour 15 right yeah and it and it and it it yeah, it just goes and goes and they're just humping and and they're just <laughs> laughing and it, making horrible just horrible sounds and, and what they just make horrible sounds so trash numbers comes out in 09 right I believe that's right. Yeah, so and then Spring Breakers is like three yeah. years later. Because I'm not necessarily someone who can comment on this, I don't want to try and psychoanalyze, but it is interesting that he gets sober in 07. And I think that there's, oh. in Spring Breakers and the Beach Bum anyway, there's a different attitude towards use of substance anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Not, not not that it's all of a sudden, like like it was pro before and con later, but it's just interesting to me that he makes trash, like his first film after getting, well, I guess he made Mr. Lonely before. Um, before oh, trash right. Numbers. But I'm just bringing up Harmony Crane got sober in 07. Interesting. Um, he also anyway. got married in 07, I believe. I think that's right. To the young woman who plays Cotty in Spring Breakers. Rise and shine, oh, little really? bitch. Rise and shine, little bitch. Um, okay, we can move on to Spring Breakers. Okay. Nothing else My number 10. No, that's it. I just, you know, quick. I, I just lo- wanted to make the connection. They That Trash Humpers and Spring Breakers are... I mean, as Matt Aspalmer said, they are sisters. So I would like to see Mr. Lonely because I think there, I think there's a theme in all these movies about makeshift family, community, mm-hmm. um, and that way they're quite queer. Uh, chosen family. They're all they're all queer films. You heard it here first. Yeah. Um, I don't actually think that. But Mr. Lonely is about celebrity impersonators who like live together. Uh, like yeah. There's a Michael Jackson. There's a yikes. There's a Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Uh, Denis Levant is in it, uh, playing Charlie really? Chaplin, I think. Oh hell yeah! And so it's just like these these misfits who are doing this Im- Im- imitation of of uh, you know of greatness, mm-hmm. but just makeshift community. That's all. And with trash numbers, obviously, these old guys are you know they're having a good time. They're they're having a they're having a hoot nanny. They're humping. <laughs> they're ha- they they're, doing they're, they're humping. They hump. literally hump. They're having a big hump. Doing humps. They, hump. Yeah, spring breakers. One whips his dick out. Um. Spring Breakers. You my... see the tip of McConaughey's dick in the beach. Bum. Do we think that's actually his dick? I do. I do too. Probably. He's probably just why pissing. Yeah, he gave why us, I think he's just pissing. He gave us a lot of a lot of ass mm-hmm. in this film and Serenity as well. 
Beach Bum the other, is the, the, other the sequel movie. to The Serenity. other hoisting the rod McConaughey movie of the year. Yeah, he hoists the rod. I am giving Jason Clark the rod, which he has <laughs> asked for. I am well within my rights. I'm doing nothing wrong. Mm. He's asked for the rod. I'm strapping him in. Spring Breakers was my number 10 of whatever year it came out. Thank you. It's an excellent film. Um, this movie <laughs> who wants to talk is about the toxic teenage dream twisted into a nightmare. And it, It's and so neon, good. A, a neon-soaked nightmare, you might say. Thank you. I'm quoting yes. my letterbox it's a log. Good, it's a good log. Um, I don't know. Uh, from the From the... The rob the robbery, when we see it from all the, the outside, one, all, on the all on the one yes. take, and then we see it from the inside. Finally, yes, like later. thirty minutes later, yeah. just the the escalation of violence. Well, in it's this a movie, movie about chasing surfaces and mm-hmm. finding like the David Lynch bugs underneath. Like mm-hmm. it's the idea about finding your bliss through the American dream mm-hmm. through. You know, through I mean, one thing that I really admire about Harmony Corinne is his use of music, the way that he twists pop culture to his own devices and, and inverts it and takes something like Madonna and makes it very sad. Um, not, not that Madonna's not sad anyway, but in, in Spring Breakers, just like the idea of Spring Break mm-hmm. um, as this Valhalla, as this ultimate ascension of status, of... of, of, of societal pressure that this mm-hmm. is like this is the collective way to feel joy like if you are going to live your life and be this age you must go on spring break and it must be this type of experience mm-hmm. it's the whole, i mean which is summed up pretty nicely in the selena gomez who is extraordinary in this movie mm-hmm. on the phone to her grandmother saying i'm having the best time the people here are so nice and then that cut against like just the debauchery mm-hmm. and how much power all the men have and all all of this and it's it's very disturbing but just the that contradiction, like the and is something I find compelling about this. And so again, I think it goes beyond just a critique of millennials, which is there. Um, I think it it is also more broadly just about <clears throat> America. I mean, it yeah. remi- his movies actually remind me a lot of the New Hollywood, not necessarily in style, even though they were all influenced by the French New Wave. And Corinne had like has a lot of influences, which I think he's spoken about. But obviously, you know, Godard's got to be up there. Um, and and this movie especially like feels feels like a movie that was made in 1969 to me, except about a especially 2011 okay. situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean just like just like the idea. I'm talking too much, so somebody else say something. Um, I just don't want to shit on it yet. Shit on it. Go ahead. I was just gonna let you guys monologue for a little bit before no, I shit on it. No just shit. shit. On it. Um, let it rip, bitch. <laughs> let it rip. All right. <laughs> I have notes. I think we're, we're filleting your guns. I think my biggest... Okay, I have two big problems. Okay. One is, I don't have a Daniel Plainview to root for in this movie. Definitely not. You I, have a Selena Gomez. I wish I had someone 
to root for even in rooting that they do evil upon people. Mm-hmm. I want that, and mm-hmm. I, you don't have it. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, I think, so Martin Scorsese does a lot of movies about American decadence as well, and I think Scorsese's method is more successful for me because he asks you to be both intoxicated and revolted from it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Harmony Corinne just makes it as ugly as possible, and I think that is less successful because... It doesn't force the audience to be complicit, and the audience can watch a Harmony Corinne and be like, "Yes, that's an America, but that's not my America. That's not me." I, right. I, it's a good point. I disagree with it because the idea of, and I'm once again, you can say in two words, but it takes me five minutes to say. But American decadence, right? The idea that it is both intoxicating and a hangover, mm-hmm. right? I think that you do get that in this. It's not that you want to be at that party, but if you were to take a Mobius strip of the palette that Benoit Debbie and Harmony Kern are working on, it is, this movie is filled with gorgeous colors. I mean, it's, and it's not just neon. It, it's these, these verdant greens and, and really lush blues. Like it is, when, when you think about like a gorgeous sunset, like in the beach bum, right? Like it creates this like magical quality to everything. Like I do think that that is intoxicating in, in Spring Breakers and it is beautiful. I think the cinematography in this film is beautiful and the palette that he's using is is ecstatic. I mean, it, it's I just think it's gorgeous. It's, it's sherbet colored, it's neon, it's all these things which are traditionally identified with pleasure, with beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that it's different than Scorsese. I think it's interesting, Matt and I were talking, that this movie comes out the same year as The Wolf of Wall Street, so mm-hmm. clearly something's going on. Yeah. But it's it's less the idea of wanting to be at that party as engaging the cinematic elements to conjure that beauty inside of something that is so disgusting. Um, that's, that, that, that is the contradiction that I find compelling and what makes this movie astonishing to me. See, I don't see it as a contradiction because I don't think it's beautiful. I think it's gaudy. Right, but no, no, but mm. what I exactly, but gaudy is so traditionally, uh, so traditionally associated with the idea of, of like American excellence. Sure, like yeah. es- especially in I, Florida, <laughs> with with all the, like the neon flamingos mm-hmm. and everything. Like this is as good as it gets. Yeah, I think I think the movie for me it does in- invite viewers in. And then pulls the rug out. From I think under. that's right too. Um, because I'm reminded of when I saw it when it came out mm-hmm. at the Arclight, not to get too regional, but it was a party. Like that opening Skrillex scene is just intoxicating. Like the audience, like, so this movie drew bros. And, oh like, yeah. Bros and their girlfriends. Well, because, smartly marketed Because they them. are like, oh my God, this movie's a party. James Franco plays this like kooky, crazy guy. Like mm-hmm. this is gonna be so fun. And it is fun. Wasn't it A24's Even... first movie? Yep. And, or was it Bling Ring? It was, that was one, the same it was, year. It was one of it their the first. I believe Spring Breakers came out first. That was in the spring. I think it was spring, spring. and Bling yeah. Ring was spring, summer. Right? Yep. Yeah. Um, and even that's why when they do the initial crime, it's through. It's from the outside, so you still feel like, oh, what they did in there couldn't have been that bad. Yeah, just right. just like the, and, the and plastic it's... guns and the imitation of the language and in, in, in violent video games mm-hmm. and movies, saying that this is how you stick up a joint and. Because so, you're, you're cutting, but let me just say real quick, because you're cutting between them play acting, how it all went down, mm-hmm. and they're and they're putting on these really aggressive voices, and they're trying to sound, you know, especially tough, and mm-hmm. and and they're they're trying to emulate a sort of like gangster mentality that they've 
absorbed through media. Yeah. Um, but then when you see it in practice, it's 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 really horrifying, violent, and evil. Yeah. Yeah. Once we go actually inside, but until we get to that point, as the movie goes deeper and deeper and deeper into this seventh layer of hell, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like it's, pack- it's it's the layer the layers are peeled away and and until you're like in the depths of hell and I find mm-hmm. it which 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 I think because when the movie ended and the bros like the theater was silent yeah no they were pissed the off was silent yeah they were pissed off no one was having fun anymore <laughs> I just think it's engaging with American iconography in a way that goes beyond Spring Break and goes beyond millennials like when I say gangster I'm talking like the Public Enemy like yeah. James Cagney like like this this is a staple of American cinema and of the American what it means to be an American I'm talking mm-hmm. about The Godfather you know mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm it, it's it, these. We, we, we've become so divorced from the reality of these things mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not I don't think the movie is like condemning you know Scarface or like like the original Scarface or anything I, I think that it might in a way be doesn't in, James indi- Franco's character I think in a way it, it, it might be indi- yeah, yeah, so in, indicting like the Al Pacino Scarface I only make the differentiation between like the old school gangster mm-hmm. movies um, the idea of, of like I mean the, the look at my shit scene I think is a classic um I know that it's funny, and I laugh at some of the things he says. And he's like, "I got," he's like, "I got shorts in every color." Like that's the one that makes me laugh. But I find it very disturbing. Like, and it's been written about, but it's that sort of this is like the natural, uh, the natural logical continuation of cribs. Mm-hmm. Like, come on in my house, look at all of this shit. Look, mm-hmm. look at everything I have. All of these things that are statuses of my wealth, of my importance. And when you marry that with like this fetishistic desire for violence and gun and like gun culture. I mean, and it's, I just think it's, I mean, it's, I don't need to say what I, it's, I, it's effective and yeah. I don't need to speak for 10 minutes about how the use of guns in this movie is speaking to America's deep fetish. Linda's guns. baking. Linda, Linda, what are you making? Linda just lit up the oven. What are you, what like, are you doing? <laughs> she's cooking. Like when, when Vanessa Hudgens and, and the other actress who I feel bad, I can't remember her name, but like when they From stick, Pretty Little Liars. Yes. When they stick the guns in his mouth, it's not like James Franco playing gay. It's he's proud to fillet the nozzle of a gun, or mm-hmm. you know, because that's that that's American gun culture. That's American culture in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. So I, if anything, it's on the nose. Um, but no, but I've never seen that image before. So how on the nose can it really be? Um, Rachel Benson. Rachel mm-hmm. Benson. And of course, that too. Like the casting in this movie is obviously so smart. Like taking mm-hmm. these, and now now he's worked with both stars of High School Musical between this and the Beach Bum. But mm-hmm. taking taking these symbols of you know of of clean cut everyday American girls that that we got to know through the Disney Channel through Pretty Little Pretty Little Liars, and then you know inverting them or really just like putting them in the culture. Uh, that they're just as much a part of. Because if you watch those Disney Channel shows, they're disgusting. I mean, I mean just, just the, the way that these children behave, it, it is so flagrant and disrespectful. And I don't mean that like we should be, we should kowtow to authority or anything, but they have no sense of consequence. Mm. And I think you see that in the movie. And, and Do you guys like the acting in this movie? Yes. I do like the acting in this movie. I, I mean, I, I think that, I actually think that Selena Gomez is great in giving mm-hmm. a real performance. And I think Franco's giving a real performance. Mm-hmm. I think everybody else is acting in a type of mode. Um, I think there's a vapidness that is part of the performance. I and think Vanessa Hudgens is good. I think she's pretty good. I mean, I, I like all the performances. Do you not like it? Pretty much none of them. So Even James? Yeah. So what don't you, is it that you can't, root for them like you were saying no, in plain view? No, I or? don't feel that they're 
living those characters. I feel like they are performing those. Exactly. No, but isn't that isn't that kind of the point? But I don't think that's effective. Oh, I think it's effective. I mean, and I think like when you when I watched Drop Dead Gorgeous yesterday, yeah, Amy, for the first time, Amy Adams is giving a vapid performance, and it's she's totally. Like she's the most, she's just the most committed actor. Period. Yes, and that's just sort of what I want. And like, in in like the broadest sense, this movie is a satire of American life. Um, and I think that they are sort of playing it with a wink, wink. And the satire works best when the actors are playing it straight. They are I playing think. it straight. That's not how I see it. I you think, see it as a wink, wink. Uh-huh. I think it's, I, I see it straight. I think too. it's archetyp. I think it's archetypical, but I think. Everyone, and I mean, they may not be uh, trying to do wink, wink, but there's like that's what there's just something false I, to me. I think it's certainly archetypical, but I do think that everyone is very committed to the story that they're telling. Like, I think that I believe that everyone is in this movie while they're doing it, but there's also the idea of play acting going on, mm-hmm. which is part of it as well. Like, which is summed up pretty succinctly in the cutting between the performance of the robbery mm-hmm. and them. You know, threatening people's lives, and, and these people think this these are going to be the last moments of their life. That's just like crucible of terror, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's this idea, of, and and of course, there's a dream layer to it as well. But it it's people it's people behaving the way they think that they're supposed to behave, and then eventually, for some of the characters, realizing that this is not the place they want to be in, and then sort of the performance drops, which is why I think Selena Gomez is so good in this movie because it's her trying really hard to commit to this you know, socially instituted idea of what ha- fun of, is. of what fun is and how mm-hmm. she's supposed to behave and what she's supposed to go along with. And, you know, I love that she exits the movie like 50 minutes in. Yeah. And, and, and like she makes, she has her realization. She has to leave. She knows that she's in danger, but she also knows like, this is not her. This is not what she wants to do, even though it's what everyone tells her that she should want to do. Like how good are these friends when she's, she's crying and telling them that she's scared. And until she gets on the bus, they're like, why don't you stay? Like you should stay. Like there, there's an element of everyone's not acting in their self-interest. Like it's, I don't know, but I, I, I think, I think, I think everyone's committed and I think it's sincere, even though there is this strong element of people acting the way that they think they're supposed to act. I think it's effective. The beach bum. Shall we move on? Well, yeah, I mean, that's what I was trying we, to do. It has two good scenes. We could talk about the, we could talk about the editing in Spring Breakers, just how Harmony Corinne employs dramatic irony in a way I think is effective. Or we can just talk about the beach bum. We're going to move on. All right, let's talk about the beach bum. <laughs> I have one point I want to make about it. One? That's it? Okay, yeah. let's talk with your let's talk with Ben's two scenes he likes. Yeah. One is the is that all there is scene, which I believe you The Peggy Lee scene. Yeah. It's masterful. It's, it's very good. It's very, very good. Um, yeah. And then when McConaughey outacts that shitty ass monologue, but he gives it he he gives it so well. Which monologue? The one at the end. Oh yeah. It's very trite to me, but he sells it. Yeah. But isn't it even that's archetypical? Like I, I think also that poem does not deserve a Pulitzer. I am sorry if you are going to put art and claim that it's genius, it better be genius. Don't you that think really that, fucking no, bothers. No, 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 no. I know that's it's that, stupid. That bothers. That that, po- that, that bothers me too. That bothers me too. What are you guys talking about? It's satire. Of course, like of I course he. Everyone says he's a genius in earnest. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but it's like I mean. So then he should be a genius. No. I mean, no. I don't know. That also bugged me, Ben. No. I mean, Corinne is getting at the idea of like the hollowness of success and how, you know, we, and again, it's very American. We are told to excel in our field. We are told to get to the very top. But how, like, just because you get an award, what? What does that mean? 
That means you're truly the best. That yeah, means, but that, that means everyone is saying he's a genius. This, this is someone unrelated who has, to the This is award. someone who has like seven Pulitzer. Like this is annoying. I know, but like I have like you know a lot of like I will buy a book because it won the Pulitzer Prize. You know, mm-hmm. like I buy into this system, but I do. I that that is intentional. I think. I I do think that there is a sincerity to that poem. I am not gonna be like I'm gonna put it on my wall. Like it is. It's this sort of perverse notion of love, like the idea that he like worships his dick because it was inside the woman that he loves. In a way, that's romantic, um, because I think the sincerity wins through. But of course, it's not worthy of a Pulitzer Prize. But and it, I also don't think that like the person who hands out the Pulitzer acts like such a cartoon. I mean, when you're talking about a movie where Jonah, but it's in conjunction with the fact that everyone sincerely thinks he's a genius. Yeah, and Jonah Hill, and Jonah Hill is like saying that he's a success, like that he's a very successful like literary agent, mm-hmm. and he's walking around like a Looney Tunes character in a William Faulkner novel. The I say, I say, I say, like all of like. What like you th- like you think we're supposed to take all of this seriously in a movie where we're getting that as an emblem of the literary world? Well, then it's a satire. It should be played f- as not sincere. Good satire is played straight. I think it's a complicated tone. I actually think the tone is one of the best things about this movie. Okay, great. Um, and, and because because of the Peggy Lee sequence that that, sure. that you brought up, like not just that encompasses so much, but that the movie is able to just shift so nimbly between you know tragedy and comedy. And the that came across to me as uneven. Oh, I don't feel that way. I mean, I don't. I don't feel. Well, that as way. I said, there's only two good scenes in the movie, so yeah. I, that's how I feel clearly. Yeah, I don't, I like don't it's really... not that that's juggling tones. It's that there are two good scenes in the movie. Oh, well, I know. I, I said it was juggling. I know. Tones. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, I the I liked I like a lot about this movie, but for me, this the the tone felt wavering. To I think me. there's so much in the contradictions in this movie that like. On one hand, everyone says Moondog is a genius. Mm-hmm. Everyone said, like, there's this, because he is our, you know, it doesn't even need to be said. This is a very, like, Homeric Odyssey. Like, because <laughs> Homer wrote the Odyssey. Like, it, it is this, it's the Wizard of Oz. Like, it's the idea that Moondog is our Dorothy. Moondog is our Odysseus. Like, he is a great hero. And everyone needs to get on his level. Like, the, the movie sort of holds Moondog up as this Zen figure who's got it all figured out. And if we could all mm-hmm. just live like Moondog, mm-hmm. everything would be okay. At the same time, Moondog is totally being indicted in this class discussion that Corinne's getting at. The idea that like he's invincible from the police. There's a white privilege element going on there. And that Moondog acts like a fucking asshole. Like he he laughs in the trash humper's way when Zach Efron when he's dancing with the devil, Zach Efron, and that guy gets pushed out of a wheelchair. Obviously, we don't like like you see that behavior, you don't believe this guy is all that great. Mm-hmm. Um I think the movie's genius. I mean, like, I don't, I don't think it's five stars. I don't think it's a masterpiece. But I think that part of the movie's genius is how it's able to have its cake and eat it too. It, it is able to have you. I mean, I, I don't think you guys laughed as much as I did in this movie, just based off of what you're saying. Now, no. I was laughing my ass off. I was the only one in my theater. In, I mean, there were like, there's honestly probably like 15 people in there, but I was the only one laughing. I thought it was a really fun time. At the same time, like, it's, it's deeply sad. It's really fucked up. Like a lot of bad behavior goes on. And I don't just mean like the substance abuse. Like people get pushed off docks on their wedding. Like mm-hmm. the like his daughter's husband gets ridiculed and called, you know, slurs. Like Moondog's a fucking dick. He, he mm-hmm. makes this crack about lesbians at the end. Like he's not a good guy. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Corinne is able to, for me, you guys don't feel this way, but that Corinne is able to take you on this journey which is sort of a rollicking good time, even though, and, and then he undercuts it again and again and again, and constantly reminds you that you were laughing along with this. And I, you know, I, let me just say, cause I was thinking about this this morning when I was getting ready for work. 
I was thinking a lot about 30 Rock, uh, a show that also employs like a Looney Tunes energy. Um, just the, the archetypes. Like think of like Captain Wack and, and Zac Efron. Like this movie is trafficking a lot of archetypes in the same way that 30 Rock is and there's sort of a cartoonish sense of humor to it. I was thinking about the scene where Moondog arrives at the wedding and his entrance is wheeling this old woman in a wheelchair mm-hmm. and just shoving her off to oh like my run God. into a wall. And then he's like, you know that's not my grandma. He's like, that's not my grandma. Um, Did you see in the background she's crawling? Yes. In the one shot? Yeah, mm-hmm. which is really dark. It's I mean, hilarious. No, I no, laughed. I think it's fucking... I did laugh. I know, I, I think it's fucking hilarious. But it reminds me of the scene in 30 Rock when the elderly woman is marching down Fifth Avenue or whatever saying, God, I just love New York in the spring. Uh-huh. And then someone shoves her Ready into a bag of trash. trash. Yes. <laughs> Which I think that Corinne is the more human approach. And the, and, 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 and if you take the context, the context of the joke, which in 30 Rock is just Tina Fey and Alec Baldwin looking at them being like, ugh, yikes. And then it just slams into the credits or whatever and we move on. Whereas in The Beach Bum, we, we like actually have to sit with the moral consequences a little bit. It's a little more human. Like we see her crawling around. It's hilarious. But when you think about like the violence that has just been perpetrated by our main character, he's forcing you to reckon with the morality of it a little bit more. Which I think that sort of like that when I thought that it sort of snapped all of all of his sensibility into place for me. Like in Gummo, like maybe we are laughing at some of this, but he's not letting you leave these people's living rooms. You have to soak in how sad it is. And in a way, that is a more humanistic approach than someone like Tina Fey, who people don't consider to be controversial apart from maybe her political views. Um, like wh- people would think like Tina Fey is like squeaky clean, like mm-hmm. all American. And Harmony Corinne is this like disgusting, you know, trash humper. When in fact, I think that his sense of humor has a real sense of humanism to it. Anyway, yeah. that's no. that. That's the point I wanted to make. Um, I uh, ag- agree. Um, yeah, I think I think Harmony Corinne is a humanist too. I agree. And I just think Martin Lawrence is good in this movie. Oh, I fucking hate that whole oh, section. Cut it out. So cut out the what? daughter. Cut out the Martin Lawrence section. Okay, I don't like but the that's daughter. The whole movie. Like, I don't like yeah, the daughter. Great. No, no, no. But I don't want to watch. No, the no, 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 no. But but I don't think you cut it out. If you don't like it, you you can't. I mean, if you, you, when you say cut it out, you're basically interrupting the type of movie it is. So yeah, that's fine. Right. So you're saying just don't make that movie. Yes. Yeah. I think that I think that if you don't like the chapter, you replace it with something else because clearly you do like one of the chapters with Isla Fisher, yeah. who I think is great in this movie. She's so good, so good in this movie. She's so yeah, good. I, do. I mean, I I think that she's, she's a- giving me the Bachelorette again. Bachelorette, no the oh, the Leslie Headland movie again with her. Like she um, she lives in this opulent wealth in a way that is meant to be kind of disgusting and over the top. The scene where. <laughs> The scene where he's eating her out and she's getting her nails done. I like done. that scene. So good. It's, the, the shot of, of her standing up and him under her dress on the dock is just like looking like a pregnant, like he's like the, he's the baby inside of her, like she's mm-hmm. pregnant. It's fucking hilarious. But but before that, when he's eating her out on the deck chair and she's getting her nails done and, and their their hired help is right there. And she ex- he she excuses her. Yeah, like, yeah, but it's as like, she's getting eaten out. But mm-hmm. isn't that? Oh, well. Don't you think that's a really damning look at the way that yeah. the upper class in America does not consider working people to be people? I like the way the, this movie addresses class. But it's doing it while you're laughing. Like it's uh, that's that that again. I think is the genius of this movie. My like, problem with this movie, yes, aside from the tone, is um, did you guys get the feeling that Harmony Corinne? I like his movies. Yes. I like his whatever he's doing. 
But in this, do you think Harmony Corinne thinks he's the beach bum? Do you think he is this creative genius, this like, you know, fuck everything else, like live your life as long as you're being creative? Like that seems to be like sort of the mantra of this movie. And it feels like he feels like he is the beach bum in a way. I mean, I think that which feels pompous. This is why this is partly I brought up his sobriety earlier. Like. Moondog is a fascinating character to me as like a stoner hero. Like this this movie probably deserves to be like in the like the stoner canon. Like along with your Cheech and Chongs and all of that. Like mm-hmm. I imagine this is a movie that you can like get stoned to and, and have a big laugh. What I like about the movie is that is that like is that healthy like for Moondog? Like in the same way that he is constantly feeling pleasure, is that not numbing him out to the grief that he should be feeling over his dead wife? Like when his wife dies, she's like She's basically like, we fucked it up. <laughs> like, like, like this shouldn't have gone this way. Like, I'm a fuck up. We shouldn't have gotten. When she was like, let's take a drive. Like, my blood pressure went up because they were so wasted after this wedding. Mm-hmm. There are consequences to the behavior throughout this thing. And when Moondog does have the opportunity to get sober, he diverts. So not that I think a person's sobriety defines them, but Harmony Corinne has made a lot of decisions. Harmony Corinne took the opposite decision of a lot of things Moondog does throughout this movie. So no, I don't think that. Um, and I don't think Harmony Corinne has ever gotten the type of, you know, widespread acclaim that Moondog does at the end of this. I, I don't think he sees... I, I think that he certainly sees something of himself in him. I think mm-hmm. that he's... I think he's more interested in just undercutting the whole idea of the hero in general. Um, and, 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 and sort of why I love the dramatic irony in Spring Breakers is because I think he's a pretty interesting dramatist. Um just the idea that we see Rachel Corinne's gunshot wound in her arm before it happens means that we are we have this distance and this omniscience over the characters and it's he's he's playing around he's playing around with with narrative structure and with how much an audience how, and basically an audience is an audience's understanding of the consequences of things yeah which I, I find compelling and I think he's doing the same thing in this movie and I think that he's critiquing these characters as much as he's having a good time with them so if he is comparing himself to Moondog that is not a pretty picture that he does not think highly of himself. Um, At the same time, Moondog's kind of like a, uh, like he's kind of a class hero at the end. Like he burns all the money, right? But he like explodes the money when it happens. That's, that's, that's the moment where I was like, Oh, he sort of, but I was a little frustrated because I was like, why doesn't he just give the money to all Mm -hmm. the people then? But then the money rains down and Moondog has a big laugh. And, Mm -hmm. and I was like, are you like, obviously the stuff with the cat in this movie on some level is, is, is a response to gummo. On so, like on some level, it's got to be. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I got to bring and that I up, got upset cats. and I got upset because I'm like, so he killed himself and he killed that cat and he burned mm-hmm. all the money, but he didn't. He's on the boat at the end, riding along on the way with the. With and the he's kitty. got the cat. Yeah, he found Constance's kitty. Anyway, uh, so I just like. Martin. I just think it's dark and I think it's layered and I think it's complicated and I think it wasn't fair for Isla Fisher to get head while Jean Dielman was cleaning up right next to her. I just didn't think that was nice. Thank you. I like. Okay. I love. I loved the movie. I loved the movie. So. We know. No, I know. I'm just. I. I'm. I'm no. I, I'm saying I'm sorry because you guys didn't, and I'm just talking a lot. I, I like it a lot. I like a lot about this movie. I didn't love it. I had a problem with the tone. I think McConaughey is easily the best performance in any of these movies. Uh, that's no. I agree with that. That's probably accurate. I agree with that. I mean, I wouldn't even say Franco second. I. I think Isla Fisher is great in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think Zac Efron, Brandon, your best supporting actor campaign starts. Zac now. Efron is so good in this movie. Zac Efron plays. The, he takes what he he's doing. He takes what he's doing in Neighbors and just like leans the fuck in. That reveal of his pants 
the pants when like that's I a got gag. pants in that's every color. Look at my shit. The thing about Beach Bum is I also think it is Corinne's most confident I movie because it is his most mainstream movie, and people said that about Spring Breakers, and um, but the Beach Bum is even more mainstream in that sense. But it's just it's confident. He's confident in what he's doing. Uh, the fact that he's not relishing in, in nihilism here, he's you know relishing in life, man. It's a it's a change I, of pace. But I will for say, him. but what I kind of what I said earlier, like I don't think he's just doing that. Like I and I'm not saying it's nihilism, but I think that he's getting at sort of the hollow core of this type of decadence at the same time. Like I, that's what I find compelling about the movie is that dance between having a great time and being carefree, being aimless, shaggy dog sensibility. We're just gonna party until we die. And then at the same time, Moondog is blasted for the entirety of his wife's funeral and her death. And then he splits the door with his daughter and it's tender again. Like, that's what I mean about the tone of this movie. Like, I think it's really nimbly done and it feels authentic in every scene. And I think that's a basically impossible task. And you guys might argue it is an impossible task in the framework of this movie. Because I don't think you agree with me. No. But But I... That... I don't think it's just a matter of like Harmony Corinne learning to like kick back and be like, ain't life grand. I, I, I think he's still being critical. No, he is. But I, I think he's finally found for me anyway. Uh, I find this movie obviously more pleasing to watch than spring breakers, but he, he found his balance. There's your balance. Yeah. But be, be, most people think that between rubbing your nose in it and lighting a stick of incense. Like yeah. I, I think that this movie is his most successful in terms of that balance. I think Spring Breakers is his best movie of the ones I've seen, which are just the three we're talking about. Yeah, I don't know. the ba- uh... No, I mean, it would probably be your least favorite. Which one? Beach Bum. Uh, I probably like it better than Gummo, if I really if I really think about it. Yeah. But I don't know. I, the, 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 I just keep going back to the tone I, I the balance doesn't work for me. It doesn't. It feels like he. I don't know. How many currents? Like he wants his cake and eats it too. I don't know. No, I know. Does it doesn't? It doesn't quite work for me. And it just works better when he's in Spring Breakers mode. I understand that critique, and I was thinking about that this morning too. And I was texting with Matt about it. Like it's like I do think it's a fair point to say he's having his cake and eating it too. As a you can't just basically you cannot have it both ways. Yeah. What I find but he su- really wants it both what ways. What I find successful about the movie is that I think he is able to have it both ways. Yeah. And that is And like, that's fair. And, and I, I think, think that's, that's an impossible most... task and that's what I respond to. And that's what most people think. I don't think that's what most I... people think. <laughs> no, Brandon, this is. movie is like not Do you see re- mostly good reviews of this? Do you, movie? did you read the, did you read AO no, Scott's I'm not, review? <laughs> no, I'm not talking about critics, I'm talking about the public. Even no. the public just doesn't like it. I mean, film Twitter. No, I'm talking really about. I'm it. talking about. I'm talking about film Twitter. Well, let's talk a little like bit. <laughs> let's talk a little bit less about. Kai no one on my Twitter. letterbox. I mean, a few people like it. Yeah. Really? Because yeah. my letterbox is mostly four and a heart oh. or higher. A lot of fives. I'm seeing a lot of fives for this. Thing. I, I, I'm seeing I, a couple. Like I said to you guys, it's like no one is more surprised than I am at the way that I respond to these movies. Like I, in theory, have sort of hated Harmony Corinne. I thought I was gonna love them. Yeah. Really? You were ready to love it. But isn't that interesting though? Like, like, and, and that's, that's, I think Lady Gaga is a really interesting artist. <laughs> Just like the idea that you and I look on paper of what these movies are mm-hmm. and you think this is, you think this is your shit. Like mm-hmm. am I shit? I say, look at that shit. And then we have an opposite reaction. Mm-hmm. Like I think, I think, and I'm not saying you have to agree with me, but like, this is where I do think like Corinne's dead. Like that, that is the work of a provocateur to me. Just, just, just the, the, the idea of like, a, the idea of a difference in, sti- the, the idea of stimuli and how we react to them. And, but I just and, think and, it's and, because and he's a failure. Think, 
Sure, I don't. But 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 look, but I see these I see these movies on paper, mm-hmm. apart from Spring Breakers, which I'd seen before. Um, and I and I think that they are going to be failures. I don't see how you can pull them off. I'm just saying, like, I think it's I think it's dark. I think it's interesting. I think it's rich. That you know, just just that that we both have an idea of what something is going to be, and we walk mm-hmm. away with a different idea of what it is, even mm-hmm. if that's a failure, even if that's a success. Just the way that he's telling a story, like I just think it's interesting that 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 we both had the opposite. The opposite reactions that mm-hmm. we thought we were gonna have. Sure, I, I that's cool. I didn't expect to walk away as a Harmony Corinne stand, but here we are. Here we are. I like him a lot. I think you already were a stand. In a way, we always were because of my love of Spring Breakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I am should a we big Spring Breakers? No. Should before, we do rankings? No. <laughs> before kidding. we, well, I did rank it on Letterbox, but I was oh good. For I you. was pretty lit off two marks when I did that. Nice. The beach um, bomb. the beach bomb. Before we close out, we have to mention Martin Lawrence's. Martin Lawrence feeding cocaine to his cocaine-addicted parrot. So I find that... The best I, scene of the movie. No, I'm finding that... Pe- I don't think that's the best scene of the movie. Like, I mean, it's not, but But it's see, that is funny. something where, like, I'm seeing online on Coyote Film Twitter that people think that's, like, the moment of the movie. Like, even people who don't like it are like, it's I thought shark, that was great. The shark attack is the moment of the movie. I don't even remember not for him bad. feeding cocaine to his parrot. He's, yeah, he's, I must have been closing he, my eyes he, in pain. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you rolled out of your chair. He leans over onto the table, grabs a little bit of coke, and he says... One second, Moondog. I gotta feed my cocaine addicted parrot. <laughs> and then, like, I have to feed the... cocaine to my cocaine addicted parrot, which I think is funny. But it's like, hilarious. I, I, I think that that Martin Lawrence. So two things about Martin Lawrence. What a star. Two thousand quick things about Martin Lawrence. The scene where he's talking about how I mean he he got enough money named his second boat success, Justice. <laughs> he's named his second boat Justice. Mm-hmm. What is the name of the boat? It's not in, in Justice is the tuna, but what is the name of the boat in Serenity? How quickly we forget. I don't remember. I would watch the film, the nineteen ninety nine film Blue Streak, a lot with my family. Oh hell yeah! You know that movie? Mm-hmm. It's been a long time since Martin Lawrence. So he screen. has to he hides his 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 stash of jewels, <laughs> but then J U U L in in like an abandoned construction uh. site, and then years later. What erects in that site, Ben? The jewels. Do you know? No, I haven't seen it. I just oh, I thought you were nodding. I thought thought you were nodding along. Like I'm "Mm." just being interested. (laughs) I'm doing interested. (laughs) Thank you for participating in active listening. You're welcome. A police station. Oh, blue streak. So he has to pose as a cop to get his jewels in drag. Jewels. Wow. His crown jewels. J U U L S. That movie too. That would make it better. We're running long, and I'm late to see my friend. Uh, we're going to watch Drag Race. All right, this has been Movies I'm uh, well, Bye. I just want to say quickly Bye. about Martin Lawrence, <laughs> about Martin Lawrence that he is doing. Like, I think that character is very funny. Again, it's like a Looney Tune. I also think he's really dangerous. Like, when he's saying the thing about how, like, you know, he's killed four people, but, you know, they keep, because of some form, so, so because some loophole, he keeps getting his license back. I don't think this movie is like an indictment of the dolphin fishing agents or like the right. dolphin watching agencies or anything. But like, again, like Corinne is getting at, like, it's kind of funny. And when you look at it, it's like a Looney Tunes thing. But then you think about the cost of human life and you think how he's been able to do it. It's because of a hole in the American system. Like I just, I think it's smart. <laughs> and then I think it's really like when, when he's putting that family of middle Americans on the boat mm-hmm. And then they go out to look at the dolphins, and Matthew McConaughey and Martin Lawrence are just talking about dolphins fucking with their corkscrew dicks. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Oh, with great cinematography, I must say." Plug your the, ears. The, the, just the 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 this, uh, the blocking of it with McConaughey, like just in the back of the frame, just like 
blissed out, like having a big laugh while like everyone's really horrified. I think it's funny. But once he gets his foot bitten off, you would think based on the assumptions that Corinne is having you take in that it's this like uptight, like white middle America family. Like they can't take the Frank sexual talk, even though it's something that happens in nature, like blah, blah, blah. Like they hate each other. They end up tending to him and like taking care of him as they go back to shore. So it's just like, I was a little annoyed. I'm like, why is he feel the need to like bring in this type of condescension, even though these characters certainly all voted for Trump, the ones who are of voting age, just the way that he twists it. I think that he's smart about expectations with caricature and he ends, ends up like building a community on that boat. Anyway, uh, I'm not leaving time for rebuttal because again, I'm late and I'm sorry that I even took up the time to say that, but this has been another, I didn't uh, have a rebuttal. This has been another Same. bong ripping episode of, I agree with movie, you, Daniel movies. I am OG. We've been having a good time out here at the Olive Garden. We're all family. Let's break a breadstick. God, fuck. You reminded me that I could have <laughs> been enjoying a breadstick. <laughs> Why didn't you bring a carb tonight, Brandon? No I, carbs? Why I, no carbs? I was r- I was racing here. I was driving I 100 miles per hour to get here. I appreciate you coming. I can't believe that we did a full-length episode. I didn't think it was going to happen. I knew it's it. It's nine minutes short. I had a terrible day. I did not think it was going to happen. We literally always are like, let's just go an hour tonight. It always goes an hour and a half. Yeah. Well, let's try and, let's try and keep it under an hour and a half. So... Thank you for listening. You um, have eight minutes. This has been Movies IMOGI. You can find us online. We're at various podcast platforms. We are on the Podcasts app on Apple. We are on Acast. We are on Stitcher. Are we? <laughs> oh, fuck. You're going to have to cut that. I'm, now I'm just going to like leave some space because we should probably cut that out. I mean, who cares? <laughs> we have signed. We It's in the last two episodes, too. We, no, no, no. I mean, I mean, like, are we? Oh. Whatever. Let, 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 let's moon dog it. Let's just check. Are we? Are we just zen out, man. Who gives a fuck? Hey. Oh, I mean, I just think this movie's sad. But we'll have to do it. We'll have to do another Beach Bum episode I'll be later sick on. that time. <laughs> Did you know that, that Harmony Crin's inspiration for Zac Efron's hair was a panini? God. We didn't let's even, just continue. We didn't even talk the, about that. goodbye. Right. Yeah, so um, <laughs> let's say goodnight. Um, yes, please uh, slap us five. Give us five stars in the Apple Podcast store and the iTunes store and tell us. Um, who do you want to rip a huge bong with? Do you what? <laughs> That's what, like almost sincere. What body part would you want ripped off by a dolphin with teeth? What What would be your book of poetry from Key West? Would it be Key Zest or would it be B West or would it be Tree Test? What? His book of poetry is called Key Zest, oh, which is funny. It's funny. It's just really funny, it's, man. It's, you guys don't get it. This movie's just really funny. What Harmony Corinne Q&A really would you walk out Kill of? yourself at? <laughs> Too much killing yourself on the pod. What? It's just violence, Brandon. I find it provocative. And I think it's, I think it's endorsement. When did I say kill yourself I, I think it's Brandon, I think it's endorsement. I'm at the and Olive Garden. <laughs> Let me do what I want. Speaking wow. of killing when oneself. When you're here, you're killing yourself with family. With, you're killing yourself with... Uh, carbs. Carbs and... <laughs> And, and mm. oils and not not the fish oil. Um, anyway, uh, next week, uh, well, my name's Daniel Crook. Ben just got up and left. My name's Daniel Crook. You can find me online at Daniel Crook with three O's. And yeah, have a wonderful evening. What's your name, Brandon Kirby? Where's your at, BK Kirby? What's your name? What's your at? All right, just say it for me, bitch. What's your name? What's your at? I'm Brandon Kirby. You can find me on Twitter at BK Kirby. Don't be fooled. My new display name is Under the Silver Lake Apologist. Nice. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Oh, that's good. Cute. My name is Ben MP. You can find old tweets of mine at Real Todd Haynes. (laughs) I stopped thinking about the work of Harmony Corinne about 36 minutes ago, (laughs) and I will never think about them again.
until his next movie. The, <laughs> what is it, Brandon? The, the snow... Can we just force majeure? Winter, winter stellar. <laughs> we brought it back. I was trying we to brought do it back. I was trying to do the opposite of beach and the opposite of bum. The winter entrepreneur. <laughs> the winter tinker. <laughs> the winter entrepreneur. Starring who's the opposite of Matthew McConaughey? Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh. <laughs> that is How many Koreans? Not a movie I would like to see. I would How see. many Koreans? Next picture coming out in 2021 is. The Winter Entrepreneur, <laughs> starring Benedict Cumberfuck. And Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh. <laughs> uh. Nominated for seven Oscars yes. next to That's Amore. And it'll still come out before the current war. <laughs> next current week, war. Next, I'm a current war truther. I can't wait. We have a new cut. It's going to be so good. I can't Everybody's got wait. tulip fever for the current war. <laughs> Martin Scorsese saved cinema again. <laughs> <laughs> he was promised a theatrical release oh my God. in his contract, and he will have his revenge. <laughs> Just like Tesla. I love David Bowie. Uh, Next week, we're talking about uh, Peter Liu. Couldn't escape if I wanted to. Directed by Mike Lee. What I've are, watched about 10 Mike Lees in the past week. What's our homework? All of his movies. All of his We're movies watching... from, from 93 on. My favorite Mike Lee vision is whatever his point of view was as he was slurping up that tomato. Mm. Skip the These faggots won't shut up. <laughs> These faggots won't shut up. <laughs> shut them. I'm trying to enjoy my soup. <laughs> That's... Uh, well. The winner is Jane Fonda... Thank you. Thank you very much, members of the Academy, and thank all of you who applauded. There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much. <laughs>